Welcome back, bass players and musicians of the world at large. My name is Wyatt Walker Ware, and you are listening to episode number 20 of the Better Bass Podcast. Wyatt from the editing room here. It's actually episode 21 of the Better Bass Podcast. And today I wanted to talk about how I really didn't like what I talked about in the last episode. The big idea that I introduced in the last episode was the 80% rule, as I called it. And if you haven't heard the last episode, the basic principle of that is... For me personally, I'm only ever going to perform 80% as well on stage as I will in the practice room. And I think that's bullshit. I think that's that's really garbage. It's a garbage idea. It came from the wrong places, and it's far too generalized to be productive. Where it's rooted in was just very, very generalized negative emotions, right? An incredibly generalized feeling that I am not performing well that I'm not playing well, and that I should be in a different place than I am, rather than accepting reality of these are the skills that I have as a bassist and as a performer and as a musician, these are the skills that I lack as a bassist, and this is what needs work, and getting into the details, right? Getting into the details is what saves all of it, and what prevents these sort of misguided trains of thought born out of frustration and what can filter these things that are driven by these generalized negative emotions. I think that negativity without specificity behind it is a real recipe for a lack of productivity. It can be motivating. Like playing a really shitty show can absolutely be motivating. It certainly is for me. If I play a bad gig, if I don't perform well, if I screw up some sight reading, if I forget songs, you bet your ass I'm going to be in the practice room six hours the next day, or at least, you know, as many hours as I can possibly fit in. But the practice does not become productive until I'm able to shrug those emotions a bit, at least, at least a little bit, and get into some details and get into some specifics. I think the 80% rule might have some degree of validity when it comes to technique and when it comes to facility, because I think it still holds water, what I said last episode, that being in a very, very controlled environment that you're accustomed to playing in for multiple hours per day, in my case, leads to you really, really knowing what the feedback is going to be, what the auditory feedback is going to be of whatever you do to your instrument, knowing that on a very intimate level to the point that you strike the string a certain way, you're playing on a certain fret through the same bass, the same amp, the same signal chain in the same room with the same stuff in it, the exact same acoustic environment that you've played that note in a hundred times before, you know exactly what it's going to sound like. You know exactly what you're going to get. And you don't have to apply any of your mental stack to thinking about, hmm, what's it going to sound like if I do this here? There's uncertainty. No, there's no uncertainty at play in the practice room if you've spent time playing in that room. However, I think, at least I would like to think, that it's possible to dial in playing on a stage to that level. I think it is definitely possible to dial in a live sound to that level with enough experience and with enough reps. The process is all about repetition, and as I said, those performance skills are the skills I lack. Being able to walk into a room and know 
pretty vaguely at least where's the best place to set my amp and how I'm going to set it and what I'm going to have to do with my my EQ, my tone settings, and how I'm going to play in that room with that band at that time and thinking that way. I can make educated guesses. I've played enough gigs to make decent educated guesses, but if I'm in an environment that's really unfamiliar, if I'm in a brand new venue, or maybe um, I'm outdoors, that's one that I really struggle with is getting a great sound outside because I don't play very many gigs outdoors. Then I'm a little bit in the dark. I'm a little bit lost on that. What that results in is me having to kind of really spend a lot of my mental stack a lot of my thought process on the gig listening to myself and thinking about what my tone is like and what my sound is going to be like out front, especially if there isn't a front of house engineer. And having to tweak that and having to optimize that on the fly and not being able to kind of set it and forget it or even just know exactly the way that I have to play. Like, what's the lowest register that I'm going to reasonably be able to play a chord in and have it sound good out front? That's an applicable one. Or how high can I play this bass line and not drop the bottom out from underneath the sound of the band? Am I going to be able to play octaves, play an octave bass line? My bass is off. Play an octave bass line. Let's try that again. Up toward the top of the neck. At the 12th fret, am I going to be able to play in this range behind a guitar solo and have it sound good in the mix in this environment, in this venue. Because there's a decent chance that I go for that, say, oh no, this isn't balancing right, this sounds like garbage, and then I have to switch what I'm doing on the fly and do this. And while it might be a subtle error, and while I think I'm pretty skilled in the art of uh, making mistakes tastefully and correcting them in a tasteful way, it's still an error. And it's still a tiny, tiny lack of absolute commitment to the idea, a tiny lack of the ability to absolutely commit to your idea and have 100% confidence that over time, as these things add up, will subtly detract from the quality of the performance. So instead of generalizing it, instead of, oh, I'm just going to sound worse when I'm performing on stage, which isn't even true at all because playing in a band with other musicians is the time when I'm most inspired musically and when I come up with the best ideas, right? Almost always, almost without exception, I come up with better ideas when I'm in a real band and having musicians dynamically responding to each other and being able to come up with stuff on the fly and improvise together. That generates the best musical content and context typically for me there are certainly good elements. There are good elements to a performance that are never going to be there in a practice room. So instead of generalizing it and saying, I'm just going to sound worse when I perform, I'm choosing to stay in the specifics and stay in the details and continue my recording and review process, continue my feedback loop process, and disconnect from the emotions a little bit. I think that's really key. I think music is a very emotional thing, at least it is for me. It's, it's largely about expressing emotion when I'm improvising or when I'm playing my original music. It's about feelings. It is about human emotion, and it's about the, the intangibles of the human condition, right? But disconnecting that from the practice room and disconnecting that from the, the 
improvement process in areas of fundamentals, I think, is going to be important for me in the future. And I think it's going to be productive in a way that I can stay in the specifics. I can stay in the details, stay in the thick of it, and not allow a generalized negative feeling or a generalized positive feeling to affect me that much. And generally speaking, when I think a performance was really, really good and really, really awesome, I listen back to the recording and I still hear mistakes and I hear problems that I didn't perceive when I was on stage. And when I think a performance was really crappy and I did a terrible job, I listen back to it and most of the time it doesn't sound nearly as bad as I think it did. And that applies to most people, most other people, other musicians who I have talked to who have gone through a, a similar process to mine in this regard. So staying objective is really important. And if you've got a crappy feeling or if you've got a great feeling, if you're experiencing a strong emotion and you're going to listen back to your performance if you've, if you've had the fortune of being able to record yourself, give it a day. Sleep on it. Review it the next morning. See what you think. See what the, what the reality is, what the objective reality is. Step back, disconnect yourself from it emotionally as much as possible, and get into those details. So in my practicing today, I've been really thinking about that, really focusing on getting into the details and getting specific and recording myself, creating those feedback loops. Record, listen, make an adjustment, record again. And what that's led me to is really just getting back to basics been very very humbling getting just straight back to play the right note play the root play it with a good sound and lock in with the kick drum that's pretty much it that's pretty much all i've been focusing on i've been learning this song i've been learning this tune squad live by uh, my favorite funk band lettuce let me pull this up actually i'm just going to give this a go give this a go for the sake of the podcast mid process i am going to butcher the melody on this but i don't care
All right, I'm not going to make you listen to any more of that. You get the idea. Just really focusing on holding down the baseline. I kind of played. I kind of played one too many fills during the uh, during the jam session, the jam session, the jam section of that song there. But just focusing on playing the same thing over and over. The original baseline actually has a lot more uh, a lot more variation and a lot more notes than I was playing in there. But I'm trying to stay in the details. I'm trying to stay in the details that make the groove feel good. And the only way to do that is by repetition. The only way to improve anything in music, I think, especially in bass playing, especially in the role that we find ourselves in as rhythm section players, is through lots and lots of repetition. And for the past couple of years, my practice has really been lacking that in terms of just repeating something in a musical context, in a groove, just doing that over and over and over again and making it feel as good as I can. I feel like... Even through the course of me playing that song, right at the beginning, it felt a little more unsteady. Of course, once I'm done with the podcast, I'm going to listen back to this and confirm or deny my own beliefs. But right at the beginning, as I was playing that and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't listened to the track or played it in, uh, in a few hours, it didn't quite feel all the way steady. I didn't feel all the way locked in with, uh, with Mr. Adam Deitch on the drums there, one of the greatest funk drummers alive, in my opinion, by the way love the band, Lettuce. But I really started feeling more confident through the course of the song, feeling more locked in, feeling like my time was coming out a lot more consistent. Like, even my dynamic control on the bass, even just my chops were a lot more consistent after not, uh, you know, not playing particularly heavily for a while and then going into that and trying to get through an entire song. All these little teeny tiny variables, respecting all the little teeny tiny variables, evaluating them and seeing what I can control to create the best conditions possible and create the best performance possible. And then above that, to build that consistency, to build that studio session player, that Nathan East, Lee Sklar level of consistency that I was talking about in the last episode building that to be at an extraordinarily high level in the practice room, at an exceptionally high level in the practice room, so that when I do get to that performance environment, when I do get to the stage, and there are factors outside my control, and I have to sit on my amp and I can't hear myself, or the monitoring is really bad on the stage, or the room is really big and boomy and echoey and I have to set my EQ in a strange way, or the front of house engineer is less than competent, or whatever condition may arise, that I'm prepared to deal with that, and I know that despite that whatever combination of 1-5% to reductions in quality of performance are due to factors outside my control, I am still so in control of myself and my instrument that I can make it work, and I'm still going to sound good. I had the privilege of seeing the, the final iteration of the Chick Corea trio live with uh, Christian McBride on bass and Brian Blade on drums, and this was in a venue, Mackey Auditorium at the University of Colorado Boulder. That venue is really, really difficult to play jazz in. It is extraordinarily difficult to play any music that requires a high level of precision. It's very, very much a concert hall. It has an incredibly nice-sounding natural reverb to it, but it is an all-encompassing natural reverb, right? It is hard to be precise on that stage. 
it's incredibly hard to hear the transient of the kick drum, the transient of the snare, the front of the note on the piano, the front of the note on a bass on that stage. It's hard to keep time. I've played there many times, and everyone who's tried to play music with a bass and a drum set there will agree that it's really, really hard, right? Those three musicians, at the level they were at, Chick, Christian, Brian, put on an absolutely mind-blowing performance. Some of the best live music I've ever seen, bar none, in an incredibly suboptimal venue, under incredibly suboptimal conditions, and... It just goes to show that not only have they put in the work to be at such a high level that they don't need perfect conditions to sound good and to be themselves and sound like themselves, but it was very obvious that they didn't allow it to phase them at all. None of those three musicians allowed the relatively crappy conditions of the performance to affect their mindset going into that concert, to affect their mindset walking onto that stage at all. None of them were phased. They were all resolute, going to go out there, going to put on the absolute best show that they could, and all three of them were very obviously perfectly content with that, and that resulted in some some really incredible musical moments. They played uh, uh, Fingerprints, the the... I guess you could call it a contrafact of footprints. It's a, a 6-4, 6-4 C minor blues-ish sort of form, that song of theirs. It's on the Trilogy album, I think, is the original recording of that, and that's the same band. But holy crap, I had never heard a rendition of that tune like that. It was unbelievable. And they were only able to make that happen through absolute focus on the quality of the music and on the quality of the performance above all else, Right. No distraction. No distraction by the venue. No distraction by the conditions. Just music. Just listening. Just ears. Just deep focus and execution of what they knew they could do best. That confidence is really inspiring, but it's also essential, I think. It's essential to putting on a quality performance and saving the detail work for the practice room. And there's certainly something to be said for taking a line or two of inspiration from Christian there in terms of just pure mental fortitude. There was another night on that tour. This was not the night that I was there, but it was another night on that same tour. I saw videos from it where Christian McBride, in the middle of the first or second song in the first set, I think, broke his A string. On a four-string upright bass, broke his A string, Chick and Brian didn't notice until several minutes later, right? They didn't even see it. And I think he was able to grab another bass or grab another string after the set break, but he played the remainder of the set on three strings, missing his A string. And you can tell in this backstage footage of Christian McBride that he's just, he's all smiles, he's ready to go, he's playing the music, he's playing it as best he can, he's perfectly comfortable with this with this really, really strange setback that's, like, unheard of, you know? When's the last time you heard about a bass player breaking an A-string? But Christian McBride, through his extreme level of experience, his extremely high level of musicianship, and just pure, unfettered mental fortitude, got through this. Got through it extremely well, and still put on a, a virtuosic performance, right? He didn't just do okay. He still sounded like Christian McBride. 
And being able to go through a setback like that, a performance setback like that, is all about preparedness and confidence. The hand-in-hand combination of preparedness and confidence and comfort, right? The sort of, I don't want to place any strange labels on it, but almost like the zen comfort of being content with whatever you're going to put out on that stage at the moment. So I'll be doing some deep mental work on that. I'll be doing some deep mindset work on that one. And hopefully at at some point, probably years and thousands of hours down the road, I'll be able to be totally comfortable with whatever I put out. But for right now, I'm going to stay focused on the preparedness. I'm going to stay focused on what I can do. You know, the couple of shows I'm playing a week, the two-ish gigs that I get to get in a week these days during the the slow season, the winter season in the Rocky Mountains is not exactly prime time for live music, and I'm not the most in-demand bass player in town either. It's causing my stage chops to atrophy, and it's causing my performance skills to atrophy a little bit, and I am not developing those things and improving those things in the way that I want to be, and I'm going to be okay with that because I really have no other option other than to just focus on what I can prepare for, what I can be prepared for, so that when the time comes, I'm ready. When the time comes for that high-pressure gig, I'm ready. When something goes wrong, when I'm under crappy conditions, I'm confident enough in my preparedness that I can only do the work so that I am expressing my best self in every moment of every performance. I'm going to be Wyatt Walker where on the base rule. That's Express all I can your best do. self. I can't try to be have the confidence else. to do what you can and not try to do what you can't. Have that comfort level. Go in as prepared as you can and accept what comes out on the other side. Then be objective. Stay in the details. Don't let the emotions take it over. And above all, above everything else, above all of it, trust the process. If you are spending the time, if you are spending the focused time and putting in the focused effort to be a better bass player, to be a better musician, then the improvement will come. If you want to change your playing in a way, and you are being deliberate about changing your playing in that way, the improvement will come. It will happen. As long as you have confidence in your process and confidence in your identity as a musician. That's all I've got for you today. If you're enjoying the show, please uh, sign up for the mailing list on betterbase.substack.com. That's the home of the podcast. That's the home of the discussion. If you've got any feedback or any ideas for future episodes, leave a comment on the Substack. If you're on the mailing list, you'll get every episode delivered straight to your inbox for free. Everybody who subscribes, everybody who follows the podcast on streaming, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, really helps me to grow this thing, really helps me to continue to put this content out there for free for everyone. I've really been enjoying it so far. It's been a great journey. I hope to continue it into the future, and I want to get some really, really high-quality bass discussion and some learning process discussion and some performance-oriented discussion going on the Substack. So leave me a comment. Let's chat. Let's see what we can do. Till next time, let's all be better bass players together, and I'll see you in the next episode.